Was the 80s just like full of testosterone? Like, what is with all these action movies with these like manly pursuits? We had fucking like arm wrestling with over the top, and now this one he's just bouncing. Like, they're just like, you know. I think that the 80s was the pinnacle of the ultra masculine action movie, right? And I think that. Although this isn't an action movie, it fits right in there with the genre. You wouldn't of, call this an action movie? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I'm surprised um, by that. I mean, there is a lot of fighting, but yeah. to me, when I think of it an action movie, it's sort of like a person. Oh my God, this is an action movie. A one man taking yeah, on like say, an exactly, evil villain, yeah. and that's kind of what happens here. It's just weird that the setting is a bar. It is. Now, you also mentioned like this being so mad. I feel like his character is not super masculine in this also. No, no. I think in terms of being ultra-masculine, Patrick Swayze, like, super handsome, super, like, yeah. super fit. But he isn't, like, gassed up. He's not on steroids. He isn't, like, you know, um, he's very philosophical and, like, sensitive almost. Yeah, maybe this is an attempt to say that you can do both. Like this is this is the the message of this movie is you can be both a badass who kicks people's ass and throat rips and then also <laughs> <laughs> be sensitive for the ladies. I feel like the ladies would have enjoyed this movie a lot more than some of the stereotypical like Schwarzenegger, Stallone, 80s action movies, right? Like I feel like if you're a woman and you're going to see one of these movies, you're probably walking out of this one more fulfilled, let's say. Than if you went and saw like you know Predator or something. Uh, fulfilled, we could go so many places with, but uh, <laughs> yeah. but I think you're right. Uh, I think one, I think Patrick Swayze has a incredible appeal, right? To, especially for for females. But Sploosh. I think, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think if this is coming after Dirty Dancing, it definitely is. Then you're trying to carry over the success from that and the appeal that he's created and. Take it one step forward. We were talking a little bit before starting to record here, and this is taking Dirty Dancing to the, like, f*** level. <laughs> the sexual extreme of the, it's a logical conclusion of Dirty Dancing? Yeah, I think so. I think that's what they were trying to do here. If you're not dealing with, like, a virginal uh, Jewish princess in the 80s, it's, like, you know, just country country women just out <laughs> I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> out to get filled out to filled. get fulfilled exactly <laughs> welcome to bad movies and beer i'm cooper i'm nolan and today it's our season finale and we are discussing just an absolute 80s classic roadhouse <laughs> this is my or was my very first time watching roadhouse which is insane to me one of the weirdest things about this podcast is some of the movies that you haven't seen make no sense to me yeah, I don't know what I was doing. Um, this was on TV all the time. I guess I... I mean, it was rated R. My parents weren't going to let me watch rated R movies when I was a child. Your parents sit next to you while you're watching TV all the time? No. You're flipping through the channels. There's Patrick Swayze and some dude all in like a denim vest, karate kick, and you're going to stop and watch that. <laughs> I guess I didn't. I don't know. No, I... A lot of the movies that we watch together, I have definitely seen pieces of, but never watched from start to finish. This one, I didn't have any any context like there was nothing i'd seen in here before this is where i remind all of our listeners that uh you have seen the colin farrell total recall three times but had never seen roadhouse until right now so yeah i'm glad we're doing this podcast this is a good thing yeah it's a bit um, of an intervention for me <laughs> seriously uh so uh we are going to discuss the movie and all the incredible happenings but as always we have found a beer to pair with it and i mean we talked before, we had a beer called Event Horizon, and we watched Event Horizon, and we're like, you can't do any better than that. What do we got today? <laughs> We've got 
the Roadhouse. It's just called Roadhouse. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty sweet. This is the Roadhouse Hellas Lager. This is from Wishbone Brewing Company. They're out of Waterford, Ontario. I think they're quite new. I don't think they've been around very long. Uh, they have a, a really great website, uh, some cool social media, and it looks like they have an incredible place. I've never been. They have a big venue with both inside and outside space. They're overlooking like a really cool lake. Oh, nice. So I think it'd be a, a beautiful place to visit. It's Just like his house in this movie. Yeah, no, actually, it fits perfectly with where he lived. I can actually picture the brewery and that barn kind of being hand in hand here. There for you sure. go. Now, uh, it says they have rotating taps, lots and lots of different flavors, but they go both traditional and sort of more experimental. So I think this would be a pretty cool place to check out. I'm excited to try this. Um, it does say faux Hellas Lager. Yeah, I was about to ask about that. What does that mean exactly? So uh, I, I looked it up a little bit because I wanted to know what they were saying. And I guess what they've done is they've used a kind of yeast and it's a Norwegian yeast. I don't really want to try to say the name because I'm going to fuck it up, but it's uh, it's it's like Kvik or Vik. I don't know. It's K-V-E-I-K. Yeah, uh, I don't know how to say that either, but... Yeah, so I guess what this is like a magical yeast in the brewing sort of industry where it makes beer really, really quickly that would traditionally take a lot longer to ferment. So I guess it's traditionally made as an ale, but this is supposed to be a lager. So one of the big distinctions, and I know we don't talk too much beer in here, but one of the big distinctions between, like we are right I know, between, <laughs> between lagers and ales is how long it takes to make a lager. They ferment for much, much longer. They take months rather than weeks. But this is the faux part. This has like been sped up by this yeah, wonder this yeast. Yeah, it's been sped up by this okay. wonder yeast. So I guess that's why it's called a faux Hellas lager. So I'm excited to try it out. It should be delicious. Me too. Why don't we do that right now? Yeah, let's get into it. So the MGM and United Artists logos take us into a shot of a neon sign, and so we're about to enter the Bandstand, one of the hottest clubs in New York City, I think. I thought it was Miami, maybe, but apparently the internet says New York City. Yeah, this was really hard to tell location. I mean, they're trying to make this look like a, a really cool bar, and I mean, there's some good music coming out of here, and it, it's clearly busy, lots of people there. There was no indication this was New York. No, I agree. Uh, it's packed, though, like you said. Also entering the bar right now is Frank Tillman, a slick-back business type wearing a bolo tie who surveys the scene full of hot ladies, big money transactions, and, after the sound of breaking glass, a heated interaction between an aggressive patron and legendary cooler Dalton. <laughs> so, uh, what's a cooler? It's like the head bouncer that coordinates all of the bouncers. And essentially, I mean, when he goes to uh, the Double Deuce, he ends up just being put in charge of all bar business. So kind of like a bar manager, I guess, but with a cooler name. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't heard of this until you pitched the movie to me, right? Until we started talking about it, I had never known. I, I guess I haven't worked in the bar industry, really. So I didn't know that was the name of the person who was responsible for keeping everything sort of. He keeps it cool. Yeah. He cools everyone control. down. Yeah. Uh, this guy says he always wanted to try him. So Patrick Swayze, that's Dalton, obviously, tells him to take it outside. But then once he does, he just leaves the guy there. They walk back inside. That's a smooth move, man. I like that. Yeah, especially after the guy had stabbed him. Yeah, he got him in the arm. But uh, later on, when he's patching up his wounds in the back room, Tillman slips in with a proposition. Come to his club just outside of Kansas City and help clean this place up. 
And his club, of course, is the one and only Double Deuce. <laughs> what a club name. He offers him a plane ride. Uh, he also offers him a whole bunch of money to uh, set this place straight. My God, dude, so much money. Five grand up front, then $500 a night. Swayze pulling in like 175K straight cash in like the late 80s. That's crazy. Yeah, clearly he must be the best. Also, they don't say how this guy comes into the money. Uh, it seems strange, right? Because he, I don't know why he has all the cash to bring in this guy to fix his bar up. So it's funny. I was thinking that too, actually. Frank Tillman, like the actor who plays him, he just looks like sleazy. Yeah. I kept waiting for him to turn out to be the bad guy because he just has that kind of look the first time I saw it. But no, like just, he's just looks like that, I guess. I don't know. He's kind of like oil tycoon is kind of how I yes. would describe him. Yes. That's what you'd portray him as. And maybe he's in that business. That's where he's getting the cash for this. But uh, there's another bad guy we're going to find out later. We'll talk about him yeah but they could have switched those two actors not lost a step in this movie like frank tillman could have been the fucking bad guy in the in the town and the other guy could have been frank tillman no problem oh absolutely i agree so uh, he's got to get there he offers him a plane ticket swayze don't fly though too dangerous he says instead he pulls up to a parking garage gives his brand new convertible to the attendant and we get the classic like pull the car cover off toss your shit in the car slide the cassette into the tape deck and drive off sequence that's been in so many movies it was pretty hilarious. One thing, in that section where he says he doesn't fly, we're getting some trailer bait, right? There and, are some good lines, yeah. And, and the other line we get is, and this comes up repeatedly. I thought you'd be bigger. Yeah. They just keep saying that. I thought you'd be bigger over and over again. Yeah, I guess when you're expecting the like country's best cooler, you're going to expect a really large man. But it sounds like it's going to be brains over brawn when he sort of controls things here. I thought it was interesting that when he rips the cover off of his car, we get a Mercedes. Yeah. So I was wondering if this was kind of when they were new to the U.S., like this was a really big deal for him to have a Mercedes at this point in the United States, because they're everywhere now, right? Like, Oh, there's still a luxury car, though. I guess so, but I almost consider Mercedes just like a slightly nicer car now. I don't consider it like a really, really fancy car. Like just, a Maserati or a Lambo or something? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and that's kind of how they treat it in this movie, and I was just wondering if that was kind of the time base. You, you know, hang on. You, you've called me up before for making like ridiculous statements, like back in Body of Evidence when I was like, $8 million is not that much money. <laughs> uh, I feel like you saying that a Mercedes is a slightly better car is patently ridiculous. Well, I feel like the least cost on like a difference between... Between a fucking, I don't know, Toyota and a Mercedes is like a hundred bucks a month. Like you're fucking not going Frank to Tillman over here. You come into some money also all of a sudden. That's good. All right, all right. It is ridiculous. What I did love though, like you said, was sticking the tape in there to get That's it rolling. Great shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That popped a small boner for me right there, seeing that happen. <laughs> yeah, we get a little drive and some rock music playing. Once he pulls in, he sees exactly how rough a place this is. A guy gets tossed out as he's walking up, like three other fights break up, waitresses are dealing drugs, bouncers are chasing strange instead of doing their job. One person at the bar asks a hot blonde lady if she wants to go nipple to nipple, and she says, I can do that myself. What does that even mean? I guess if your breasts are big enough, you can just push them together. I think that's what she was saying. Yeah. But is that supposed to be like uh, attractive or appealing? I mean, it does make you think of uh, maybe like a fucking... A <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, t- oh, God, I'm going to throw a fucking bleep in there for sure. 
<laughs> so yeah, man, he's got his work cut out for him, but he's going to have some help. As in addition to the waitress who recognized him and started spreading the word that he's in town, he also happens to know the blind guitar player in the house band. And if I say blind guitar player, you say... Jeff Healy! It is, of course, Jeff Healy, fellow Canadian. Oh. Yeah, in what has to be his biggest movie role, if not only. I don't know. I don't know, but I this is actually really good. Like, Jeff Healy is a disgusting rock blues guitarist. Like, blind. so, so good. Yeah. Just an incredible, like, impressive human being, and he actually does really well in this movie. Well, now, hang on. At playing music, yes, but, like, acting? I don't know. I feel like he was, he was like... Oh, my God, no. You, no, Come really? On. Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, no, I felt he was completely appropriate oh, in the way... Oh, we are starting off in complete Uh-oh, opposite directions right, here. here we go. Oh, good at all. This all devolves into chaos when one bar patron offers to let a different guy lick his girlfriend's t- for $20. Long story short, this guy doesn't have the 20, but he doesn't tell him that until after he's already taken a lengthy grope. So a brawl breaks out, and some of the reaction shots of the people in this bar are truly incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The one, <laughs> there's one guy at the bar who has his tongue out the whole time, just like, it's like he's laughing, but not really laughing with it. I don't know. I can't he kind of looks like a dopey, horny guy. He's like so into what's happening right now. He's slightly aroused and laughing about everything. The whole bar breaks down here. Everyone gets into this fight. All of the bouncers, even the waitresses, like the bartender, everyone is fighting. And Dalton's doing nothing. And Except I- watching all the broken glass and <laughs> broken tables. There are so many fucking broken tables in this movie. Yeah, what's the over-under on the budget for sugar glass and tabletops in this <laughs> that was movie? most of the budget, I think. Yeah, it's well, I mean, most of the budget is clearly Swayze's contract. But after that, it's got to be line number two, probably, right? Uh, yeah, line item number two. <laughs> Dude, Number tables. three is explosions, yeah. I think. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some of those too. Once the dust settles here, Dalton tells the current head bouncer, played by wrestling legend Terry Funk, that he'll let him know about helping them. And then we get some quick scenes of him settling in. He picks up a new car to move around town in. Well, not a new car, but he'll fix it up because he's a man. And uh, <laughs> then he finds a room for rent in some friendly old man's barn. It's way less rapey than it sounds. The and the is barn it? just happens. Is it? <laughs> I mean, I think so. And the barn just happens to face the palatial estate of the local crime boss, Brad Wesley, played by star of stage and screen, Ben Gazzara. And if you can't see where this whole movie is going at this point, I can't help you. (laughs) It's laid out pretty clearly here, right? We we know that... Even in the choice of home they gave him, he's going to be seeing who the bad guy right is. Right across the fucking lake, yeah. His very first introduction is that guy, Brad Wesley, being an asshole with his helicopter, pissing off the horses of the friendly farmer slash, like, weird, horny old farmer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that comes later. Uh, okay. Um, so it, you know that he is not a good dude, and we're going to find out that he's kind of controlling this town, and he's the reason why everything's kind of going to shit. Oh, very much so. Now, after uh, Swayze and the farmer Emmett is his name, I believe, they settle the rent, we cut to Frank Tillman introducing Dalton and giving him full control over all bar business. The first thing he does is shit-can Terry Funk, who tells him he's a dead man, and he also boots the drug-dealing waitress. After that, he fires off a motivational speech, including his three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. And three, be nice. He really hypes that last one, and what I take away from this is that what makes Dalton the best is that he's the thinking man's cooler. Yeah, I think I kind of hinted at this earlier, did a little foreshadowing, but yeah, that's sort of the difference between him, right? His goal isn't to beat everybody else up. He just wants to 
sort of tone everything down and get it out of the bar so the regular business can continue. He still is got a bit of a fighter side on him, though, right? He's not going to let shit go down. One of the things that I liked about the introduction to him in the bar is that he picks his spot. Oh, he right. always does that, yeah. Yeah, for sure. he's really good at thinking about and picking his spot. He's not going to move until he knows the action he takes is going to have an impact on the people around him. He wants to inspire, and uh, we're going to see some of that early into our first evening here with him as the cooler on the job. Oh, yeah, man. We see him in action almost immediately as he swiftly takes out a guy who cuts one of the bouncers. And as soon as he does, we get a hard zoom on the hot blonde woman from earlier who can go nipple to nipple with herself, and she is just eye f- the shitter to him this zoom <laughs> popped me so hard like i was like laughing my ass off yeah <laughs> and they go back to it that is one that they go back to the well this blonde really wants a piece of him and uh he's not interested right now he's got a job to do and he he knows that he shouldn't be f-ing on the job but uh one of the other bouncers steve not so much oh yeah no he catches steve uh back uh, in one of the back rooms they're nailing a waitress so he's out too and uh, also later that night, Dalton shit cans the bartender for skimming. Now, this bartender, he is like a homeless man's Bill Paxton. He's got, like, I'm serious. <laughs> he's got, like, some of the similar facial stuff, and he's, like, real greasy, like the best Bill Paxton sleazy Bill. But this guy kind of hints that maybe Dalton might want to reconsider this. And the next day, we get a little more clarification as the friendly waitress, who, by the way, is the woman from Murphy's Law that we watched. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, she swings by Dalton's place to tell him that this guy is connected to Brad Wesley. But first, she gets to look at Swayze's ass and fucking gasps. Like, actually, <laughs> g- <laughs> so, so I, I got to do a couple things here. I want to go back. I think it's an insult to Bill Paxton to even relate this gentleman. Well, that's why he's like a homeless man's version yeah, of Bill Paxton. This, this guy's awful. But we do find out very soon that he is connected to our mafioso guy here, Brad Wesley. I thought it was really weird that the one bartender... The one, like you said, we'd seen in Murphy's Law, She's you would recognize her only from her voice, right? She's kind of got that shrill, like... It's a bad voice. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a difficult voice, but I think that's what made her successful, right? Because she sounded well, now, hang that on brought a her into movies. Successful is a strong term. I can't name a movie besides this in Murphy's Law that I've seen her in, so... <sighs> but she's in a lot of stuff. She is that woman, I think, that fits into a lot of character pieces. I didn't understand why she knew where he lived and showed up at his house. It's a small town, man. I guess you, everyone knows. I thought it was hilarious that he got out of bed naked, though. And, and you're right. The gasp was priceless. <laughs> she <laughs> a little bit when she oh, saw his no, ass. Like, no. it's clear that that happened. Like, if, yeah. Her and all the women in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, there was probably a lot of splooshing walking oh, out of that God movie. Damn. All right. The, the next day, Dalton meets another colorful local. Red Webster is the name. He's the owner of the local hardware and auto parts store. He also officially meets Brad Wesley, who arrives with his right-hand man, a mulleted silent type wearing a Canadian tuxedo. This, all this guy wears his denim. Gotta love it, right? Like, anyone who's willing to fully rock a denim outfit is a bit of a hero. Well, and, like, the, the the mullet, the earrings, the, the fucking gator tooth necklace. Oh this dude's God. got a look, man. Yeah, we don't find out till later. His name is Jimmy. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> fucking Jimmy. Uh, with that special earring and those fighting skills. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, my man. goodness. He's going to come up and be a, a larger part of this story later. Yeah, now you might ask yourself, how is Dalton going to handle this difficult encounter? Well, I'll tell you, by doing some shirtless Tai Chi, it keeps the demons at bay. 
Uh, Brad Wesley sees this, as does the old farmer, and I'm reasonably certain that at this point, at least one of them is questioning their sexuality. Oh my god. The shot of Emmett, our the old farmer. farmer. <laughs> He's staring him down. So he finds the Mercedes in the garage, and he kind of he lifts up the tarp and sees it, and he's a little bit confused. Fancy he's, car for a drifter. Yeah. yeah, he's like, hmm, this is weird. And then he sees the Tai Chi, and we we get the Tai Chi seems to last for hours. I think the it's sun lengthy, goes down. It's a, yeah, <laughs> and a lengthy scene. And, and he's all sweaty. And when the farmer sees sweaty Swayze, you get a shot of him really questioning his sexuality. Like now, it's possible. Hang on, it's possible this could just be like he's a simple country farmer this dude looks like a fucking farmer and like just like he's probably never seen tai chi why is this guy shirtless the face he gave seemed kind of like an old face (laughs) (laughs) he was a little bit aroused this is a man who got aroused when he thought he shouldn't be aroused and he doesn't know what to do about it it's working through some complicated feelings yeah definitely now (laughs) sweaty shirtless swayze isn't the only action we get here though as when dalton shows up for work that night the bartender he shit can is back along with some of Brad Wesley's goons. And what a weird crew he trots out here, man. It's the homeless man's Bill Paxton, a fat trucker, and like a suburban dad with an extremely deep voice. This turns into a full-on knife fight after Dalton punches the bartender in the face. And if you look closely, he clearly already has blood in his face before Swayze punches him. And uh, Dalton ends up getting sliced in the ribs and tackling some dude over a railing and through a table. Another table bites the dust. Yeah, both glass and table got broken in this one. Um, this is a fun fight. You kind of see this one coming. You know that they're trying to build how bad the mafioso guy is, and the bartender was pretty confident after he got fired that he'd be back and then it wouldn't be a problem. They do sort of set the groundwork here because they know it's going to be a problem for the bar and for Dalton because the person who controls the booze in the town is Brad Wesley. Of course, he controls everything. So how can you run a bar without booze? Yeah, but guess what? Dalton doesn't give a fuck. Swayze kicks ass here. They dump out Brad Wesley's goons after what was a fairly lengthy fight. I was surprised how well Deep Voice Dad did in this tussle. But, he took a lot uh, of damage. Yeah, he took a lot of but, damage. Uh, so it ends. They kick him out of there, and we know that this isn't going to be at the end of this. No, definitely not. And now, because of his cut, Swayze's got to go to the hospital. And you'll never believe this, but his doctor is a hot lady. It's Kelly Lynch, who we saw in Cocktail back in Season 1. Well, hang on. I said a hot lady... But uh, not yet she isn't. She would be if she took off her giant glasses, you know, according to the laws of the 80s. (laughs) Women with glasses are not sexy. Take the glasses off, now you're sexy. Yeah, such a weird thing that happened in the 80s where they would put on glasses and put women's hair up to try to make them look unsexy. Yeah. I actually thought she was way hotter in that look than the first okay, one we see with little, her hair down. You're, you're a little bit of a like a button down, like you don't you like a lady with like hair up, like professional. Yeah, well, yeah, not professional like a hooker, but like you know, <laughs> perfect. Like she has a job, you know, that kind of thing. So I thought it was funny that he went to the hospital. Clearly, the reason he goes is because they need to introduce this relationship. A oh, hundred times, yes. But previously in the movie, he easily sews himself up with no problem, and in here, it doesn't seem like it's any worse than oh, the previous. Oh no, it's a thing. deeper gap. Deeper gets into the you ribs think, too. Yes, but, but they don't even sew him. She uses staples. That's like a much That's less. How you know it's bigger? If is it's that a, what it yes. is? Staples yeah. for a bigger gash? Yeah, man. The, oh. the thread wouldn't hold it. I thought it was the other way. I thought staples were wh- when you had a smaller injury. You think they staple people for small injuries? No, I don't know. <laughs> okay, I'm absolutely. Sorry. You can tell you haven't been fucking cut a lot. No, uh, no, I've never had a like a stitch up in a. Oh uh, well, you're lucky, dude. Yeah. Um. Anyway, she patches him up, and he impresses her with his intelligence, sensitivity, and philosophical nature. Nice work. Good clean stitches. Thank you. (laughs) 
Do you ever win a fight? Nobody ever wins a fight. Somehow the doctor manages to walk out of the room without slipping all the <laughs> she just dropped on the floor. And, uh, and, we, and we are clearly headed for romance here. Okay, so there's a couple weird things in this I wanted to bring up. Uh-huh. One, he brought with him his medical records in a large folder. Hey, man, you go town to town, you got to have that. You don't have the internet back then. It's all folders. I thought it was hilarious, though, that he carries like this leather pouch with all of his medical records so the doctors know when they're stitching him up what to look for. Two... She recognized from the records that he went to NYU. Yeah, apparently. Like, I don't know. Why was his like university <laughs> college or college diploma <laughs> in his medical records? Like, this is clearly flexing. Like, he's just trying to impress her. It's to show that he's intelligent. Yeah, and so he starts dropping philosophy on her, and we know that we have found the love interest. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it turns out Brad Wesley isn't happy about his boy's performance in the Double Deuce, and after he beats up Daddy Deep Voice, he sends a couple of goons to smash up Red Store. And in a small world coincidence, who could have imagined, that hot doctor that Swayze just charmed, she's Red's niece. He's got a picture on the wall and everything. Of course, she's related to Red, this sort of friendly old guy who runs the hardware store. We do find out, too, that although he's her uncle, he did raise her. Her parents died, I guess. And so he's more like a father to her. So we've got all of these connections coming together. And... We know this is coming back. Oh, for sure it is. But in the meantime, Dalton is all twisted up. So he calls his mentor for advice. That's Wade Garrett, who earlier in the movie, Swayze said was the real best cooler in the biz. And he's played by like a young-ish Sam Elliott, who has never looked better than he does right here. Dude looks amazing. He really does. I only really knew Sam Elliott. I mean, sorry, that's not fair. I first knew Sam Elliott from The Big Lebowski. So that is what I most think of him. And because of that, he seems like an old man to me. When I saw him as like a like virile, handsome, just slightly graying gentleman, I was like, holy shit, this is not the man I recognize. Oh, the hair on him? This yeah. like flowing hair? He looks oh fucking good. Yeah. He would have been slaying at that time. Well, unless he's standing next to Swayze. Well, I mean, he just gets all of the runoff, though. Well, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. If the hot girl's got an equally hot mom. He just slips right in there. Uh, they, they have a brief conversation, and uh, I think uh, Garrett can tell that Swayze needs help, so we expect to see him later. But before that happens, we get another fight at the Double Deuce as more of Brad Wesley's goons show up to cause trouble, including one guy who has a knife boot. It's like a blade sticking out the front of his boot. He tries to use it on Dalton, and it does not go well for him. Well, Dalton spots it immediately when he enters the door, right? Dalton's an observant man. We know He's got a knife boot before is what it is. Oh, absolutely. So he sees it. He tells the other bouncers, too, so they're aware of it. And very quickly, when he attempts to kick Dalton, Dalton just fucks his leg up and pulls him by the leg out of the fucking bar. Rule number two, don't fight in the bar. Take it outside. Take it outside. So they, they get all of these goons out there. And they just, like, soundly kick the shit out of Wesley's goons. Like, they just get their ass kicked. And who's waiting there watching this go down? Well, I was going to say, two important things happen here. First, before this fight happens, the hot blonde lady from earlier makes an aggressive push at Dalton. She literally just asked him to go back to her place and f***. But then Brad Wesley's uh, right-hand man, Jimmy, swoops in to drag her out of there because, as it turns out, she's like Brad Wesley's girl. That's going to come into play later. 
And the second thing is that the doctor shows up without her glasses, so game on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that Brad Wesley's girl is so hard after our cooler here, after Swayze. You understand, right, based on the characters and age and appeal of the two, why she would be going after Swayze physically. Yeah, but as we see later, like, there's consequences for that. Yeah. She can't be fucking around on Brad Wesley. That's not going to go well for her. Well, she must know that, and I don't understand why she's pursuing so heavily, right? Because of... He's just so handsome. She That's just all can't it is. help herself? Yeah. He's just so handsome. Wow. I mean... <laughs> I was just going to extend our, our soppy audience jokes as we <laughs> oh, go, but yeah. Oh, no. A little counselor call back there? <laughs> so Swayze goes for a romantic cup of coffee with the doctor after his shift, and because he's a gentleman, he doesn't nail her right then. Just a little kiss and a good night. Now, the next day, he's daydreaming about her, like literally. He's just lying on the hood of his car looking up at the sky when Brad Wesley's goons show up to grab him for a meeting. This meeting is really just a chance for Wesley to flex on Dalton about how rich he is, how he could buy the bar if he wanted to, and how he's done some digging into Dalton's past. Turns out Dalton killed a guy in Memphis, said it was self-defense in the trial, but Brad Wesley isn't so sure. He asked Dalton what it would take to bring him on board, and Dalton stands up just so we can get a close-up of him saying, There's no amount of money. This is fucking hero shot him. This is the one shot of him. Like, oh my God, man. Oh, this scene is, I mean, it, it had to happen. We knew that they had to come face to face and have that conversation. And I actually kind of enjoyed the conversation. I like that he found that dirt and it, it clearly made Swayze's character uncomfortable. But when he says no amount of money and walks out, there's just this really cheesy sound effect <laughs> and noise. And it just felt so cringeworthy. I was like, oh. There's a few of those in this movie, and that's kind of why we're talking about it, I guess. Yeah. So Brad Wesley's got to try a different tact here, and his move is to cut off the supply of alcohol to the double deuce. He didn't count on Dalton's connections, though, as one phone call is seemingly all it's going to take to get the bar wet again. And speaking of getting things wet, he walks outside to see Kelly Lynch leaned up against her Jeep, just ready to go. So, <laughs> I love that every time we talk about Swayze, it just turns into soaked panties. That's all it is. Yeah, That's man, they, go, they go yeah. back to this place where they have a sex scene that you described as dance f***ing. <laughs> Well, what's interesting, before they head back to his place, in the sort of background of the shot of Kelly Lynch leaning on the Jeep is the monster truck that we know is... Oh, like, Jimmy. Jimmy's monster truck, yeah, yeah. Why does he not recognize that this is a problem? Like, he's such an observant person that, for me, it was problematic that he wasn't like, oh, shit, we're going to get followed. And they know that my relationship with Kelly Lynch is going to be an issue. Well, but he's he is... His whole thing is, don't engage unless you have to, Right. So sure he knows it. Was he going to walk over and fucking knock on the door and fight them? That's not his style. He's going to let this play out. But he must also then know that he's putting her and her family in danger by doing this. Well, sure. But he I don't, was, I don't answer for that one. Right? He's just willing to take that plunge because he's so interested in getting his dick wet. Is that a question? Well, obviously know. it is. So, like you no, said, but the fact that she's there yeah. too. If he goes and fights him, then she could get caught up in the. Yeah, thing. it's true. So he takes her back. He shows her his loft. It is a nice barn loft. If we're going to have a place, it's pretty pretty spectacular. It's got great views. He's got a huge fireplace, and he's got like a very large open space, and it turns into a dance here. He turns on the radio. At first, we get kind of like a rockin' song, and she shakes her head no. They make he does, too. I love that. Yeah. yeah, which is pretty good. And then they get a, a slower one, and they start dancing, and then very quickly during that dance, he lifts up her skirt. We see some fantastic 80s underwear. 
With like the high, like the, you see the thigh, but no ass. Like the, it's a full yeah. back, but it's like a high. Yeah, it's full so, front yeah. and back, but like all Straight the way 80s, up to the yeah. waist. Yeah, which is hilarious. So he pulls those off and he f***s her right against the wall. Well, and then and then like a, like walking across the room. Like it really is similar to dancing. And also speaking of dancing, did you think that the music in this scene was kind of like dirty dancing adjacent? Oh, definitely. This is where I think the like creators of this are trying to tell you where dirty dancing should have gone. They're cashing in. <laughs> right? This is where they're like, yeah. we know that you like seeing Swayze dance with women, but you know what you're going to like more? Seeing Swayze dance f- women. Different kind of woman though. I think that's what it is. Remember, uh, in Dirty Dancing, Jennifer Grey, she's playing an inexperienced teen. You can't yeah. just fucking f*** her across true. the room. That's fair. And, you know. We got a woman. They are actually very careful to slip in that she had been married once before. Yeah. So they wanted to tell you she wasn't a virgin and they also wanted to tell you that she's ready to f*** again. Like they were getting it, <laughs> getting it set up for us. Yeah, fair enough. Now, they share a tender moment after this out in the roof of the barn and the doctor inside her kicks in and tells him that if he doesn't slow down, he could end up crippled then they bang again and across the pond we see brad wesley just watching them furiously <laughs> off. i mean he was smoking a cigar so that must With have one hand yeah <laughs> oh you said he's doing something tasty i thought the cigar came after he but oh. <laughs> <laughs> celebratory yeah oh man either way things are going pretty good for dalton which means we're overdue for some adversity brad wesley's goons including terry funk in a natural landing spot show up to disrupt the alcohol delivery and rough him up Luckily, a certain salt and pepper haired cooler named Wade Garrett rolls up on his motorcycle and gets right into the action. One of the goons says, You want to fight, dick question? I sure ain't going to show you my d-. He punches the dude right in the. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good, it's a good punch. Uh, the guy who says it is a big man. He's this weird, like, giant guy earlier who you yeah. were like, who's this fucking giant? I don't know. He's a big guy. We knew he was going to come in, but he doesn't do anything. He kind of sucks ass. He gets punched in the d- and then punched in the face, and then he's out of this fight. And then, he's out of this movie after this. We don't see him again. Yeah, no, yeah. it's true. Uh, I assume Brad Wesley killed him for being shitty. I don't know, based on <laughs> probably the other things that have been happening. But the two of them get back together, and they take down the four goons who are trying to stop the alcohol delivery. Oh, yeah, man. And Dalton is thrilled to see Wade Garrett and takes him to meet Dr. Kelly Lynch. This sequence is mostly just a chance for Wade Garrett to show off some charm and for us to learn more about Dalton's backstory. Apparently, the whole Memphis thing happened because he slept with a married woman who didn't tell him she was married, and her husband pulled a gun on him, which necessitated the killing. But as a sensitive, philosophical guy, Dalton is haunted by this. I mean, if you are an adulterer and then you murder the spouse of the person you had just fucked, that's pretty rough. No, he's not an adulterer. She's an adulterer. Adulteress? I don't know. (laughs) He's just a guy. She's the one who He wasn't married. Well, I guess that's fair. That's fair. But, I mean, it's still a bad look. Well, yeah, definitely. Now, Brad Wesley keeps turning the heat up on Swayze, literally, as he sets Red Store on fire. It blows up like nobody's business, probably because of all the fuel and their flammables inside. But, luckily, Red wasn't in there. And just to be a dick, Brad Wesley walks into the double deuce, loudly talking about the fire. He then orders Jeff Healy to play something with balls to the hot blonde that he could put on a show. And she sure does. <laughs> This is was a, a kind of surprising scene. Not really, but I was like, holy shit. He gets in there and brags about fucking burning the place down. Gets his goons set out there and then gets his girlfriend, the one who's kind of been hitting on Swayze the whole time, to basically strip on stage. Literally, she just strips. Yeah, she just fucking goes up there and starts stripping. Um, Swayze. Get out for the boys. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
Swayze tries to like pull her down off the stage here um, and has a little difficulty at first, but gets her out of there. And then he brings her back over to Wesley. And what does he say to him? Oh, that you should keep his pet on a leash? That's, yeah. that's very insulting. Yeah, yeah, it was a little bit To rough. everybody. Yeah. She moves like a professional, though. And uh, you know who else does? Jimmy, who puts on a little karate display with a pool cue while the rest of Wesley's goons smash up the double deuce. This sequence is incredible, especially the part where he has like a vaulting twist onto the stage. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, this is a pretty good fight scene. Uh, the character, the actor who plays Wesley, clearly has some martial arts training, right? He, he has some good moves. Maybe some gymnastics training, too. That was a pretty uh, seamless vault. I think you're right. It was well, interesting, Well, no, though. hang on. It <laughs> wasn't seamless, though, because... <laughs> the editing wasn't yeah, seamless. Yeah, <laughs> no. They, they go to show him setting up for it, and he's got the pool cue, and he's about to, like, plant it into the base of the stage and flip over. And then when they cut to the next section, instead of being planted in the stage, they plant it into the fat bouncer's gut, and yeah. then he flips over. You're like, that's a clear miscut. Sure. Well, and also the bouncer's distance from the stage changes oh, dramatically. So in that far. Cut. It's yeah. really, really bad. So uh, You know, continuity editing. That was one of the major problems I think we saw in this, right? There was some strange continuity editing. The fight in itself was kind of fun, right? We get to see everyone beat up. We get a lot more table and glass breaking, right? Of that course. budget's still skyrocketing. Gotta have it, yeah. Now, Wade Garrett tries his luck with Jimmy and gets pretty worked over. Uh, but they tease us with the Dalton-Jimmy face-off. Brad Wesley breaks it up, though, by firing a shot in the air and pulling his guys out of there. And this is some good build. Like, I want to see this fight at this point. Yeah, you're right. This is going to be good. Uh, it's weird because Jimmy did not seem particularly threatening coming up to here. I mean, wearing the Canadian tuxedo and having that earring, I was like, <laughs> yeah. you're not really bringing the heat here. But after seeing his gymnastic scene, yeah. moves, I'm like, yeah, this could be a good kind of uh, culminating fight we might see. Oh, definitely. Now we get some like transition scenes here. One where Tillman, Dalton, Red, and a few others talk about what to do next. Then some more Brad Wesley as a dick footage as he orders Jimmy to drive his monster truck through the local Ford dealership because the guy didn't pay the protection money or something. He's kind of rebelling against them. Yeah, that's what it seems like. It's It seems like the business owners in the town have kind of had enough of our like mafia racket that Brad Wesley's had over them. It seems like maybe our cooler's inspiring some people to step up and fight back here. Yeah, and then the last scene we get here in the sequence is a Swayze barn training scene, but no Tai Chi this time. He is working a heavy bag, and Wade Garrett tries to convince him to leave town. But we know that's not going to happen. He's all dug in with uh, Dr. Lynch and Red and the old farmer now. Yeah, he, he knows that he's turned Emmett on. He knows that he's filled Elizabeth up. <laughs> oh, he just can't walk away from that right now. He, what he does know, though, is that Elizabeth did have a relationship with Wesley. and that Well, no, hang crazy. on. I, I, it doesn't sound like they had a relationship. It sounds like Brad Wesley like want, has always pursued her, but she's mm -hmm. never been interested. No, I think you're right. I think that's the right way to say it. I, he knows that his relationship with Elizabeth is making Wesley even more upset than him just sort of shutting down this bar and his cousin. This is really why Wesley won't let this go. So he's going to have to get rid of Wesley and his gang if he wants to stay here. Yeah, but before that happens, we get a very dramatic scene when Dr. Lynch shows up to suggest that maybe he actually should leave, and he lashes out at her. We get a big acting showdown here. I'm only good at one thing, Doc. I never lose. What never. are you going to win? Kelly Lynch is not great at acting. <laughs> That's what I learned from this scene. That's true. Right as she's sort of responding back to him, we get a... Big explosion in the background. Thankfully, it cut off her bad acting, and we get to transition <laughs> yeah, to the man. next part. 
Oh yeah, and it's the it's the old farmer's house where the explosion comes from. Swayze jumps down off the roof of the bar, runs over there, and pulls the old man out. Thank goodness. But a sound of a motorcycle alerts him to the person who did this. It's Jimmy, clad in his trademark denim. Swayze runs him down on the motorcycle, and now we get our giant fight. This was hilarious. Oh, it's so fucking good. Well, as you see Jimmy like gleefully riding away from this explosion on the house, you have Emmett, the old man, telling Swayze to get off of him, which I was surprised by. I thought he was probably going to enjoy it a little bit. Um, (laughs) And then you see Swayze outrun a motorcycle or dirt bike and fucking spear Jimmy off of it. Well, he's got a good route. Like Jimmy's, oh, yeah, Jimmy's got to ride yeah, yeah. the road. Yeah, Swayze yeah. kind of takes a shortcut, but he does the full action hero dive off this like elevated uh, part of land and does. He takes him right off the bike and they're fucking into it. And the line that sets all this off is tremendous. Prepare to die. You are such an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is great, man. And they go uh, at it for like a good couple of minutes here. Yeah, we got a good fight going. I'm pretty sure Jimmy tells him that he's like the guys he used to f- in prison. Yeah, yeah man. That's a, <laughs> and it's a and weird flex, but all right. It is. And then Swayze's kind of taking a shit kick here. He's kind of losing this fight a little bit. And then he takes a little break on a tree and realizes if he uses it to his advantage, he might have the upper hand. Yeah, he does. And he does get control. But this all ends with him having to basically relive the Memphis thing. As Jimmy pulls a gun on him, which he kicks out of his hand, twists his arm behind his back, and then gets the throat rip for the win. Except, as he said, nobody ever wins in a fight. The doctor is horrified and runs off. And the next day, Brad Wesley gives him a choice. Wade Garrett or Dr. Kelly, someone's going to die. Yeah, the fight between Jimmy and uh, Swayze ends pretty dramatically really quick. The kick of the gun out of the hand as it's going off is kind of a nice moment. I was not expecting the throat rip. No, me neither, eh? He just grabs and rips. He then drags the body to the middle of the lake and just starts fucking screaming for Wesley. He knows he's on the other side of that lake, and he just starts screaming, Wesley, fuck you, fuck you. But as you said, Wesley's going to have a response here. He says, heads or tails, is it going to be the doctor or is it going to be your mentor? Yeah, and it looks like Wade Garrett lost the toss as he stumbles into the double deuce, all beat up, but still alive. So Dalton rushes to the hospital. The doctor does not want to see him, though, and she sends him back to the double deuce, where we find that, in fact, Wade Garrett did lose the toss as Dalton sees his body lying on the bar with a knife through the heart and a note that says, it was tails. My favorite part of the scene is Swayze's facial expressions as he contemplates pulling out the knife, which he does. This is some real emoting he's got going here, and goddamn, man, I was just, like, laughing the whole time. He's really going for it. We get a tear running down his cheek. Why he decides to fucking grab and pull out a knife that has clearly murdered his friend doesn't make sense to me. But it's forensic evidence. He's fucking up the crime scene. Yeah, but I guess we find out he wants to use it against the perpetrators, right? He grabs this knife and he's going to bring it with him to go after Wesley and his goons. Oh, yeah, man. Shit is on now. As in the next scene, we see Dalton's car barreling towards Brad Wesley's house. His goons shoot and shoot and shoot at it, but it just keeps coming until finally it smashes into a fence, launches into the air, where it explodes after a goon blasts it with a shotgun. Now, I know you're upset about this, but of all the times we've seen a car get shot and explode, this one to me makes the most sense. Guns don't blow up cars. Dude, okay, except the car is flipping. It's the underside of the car where various things are that contain fluids that are probably flammable. The guy shoots it with a shotgun, not a fucking like little six-shooter. And, and, don't you think that if Swayze is setting this up to fucking drive into the house, 
create a diversion and hopefully take out some goons. You don't think he would have loaded it up with like flammable shit or something to explode? He definitely didn't. You're a fucking liar. He definitely didn't, didn't load it up with you anything. You didn't even think no, about that. No, no, He it definitely so didn't much load sense. it with anything. Guns don't blow up cars. Dude, he, he would have loaded it. He's trying to create a diversion. No. You create a diversion with no, an explosion. No. He the, wants the, to take The diversion out. is the car driving at them. He that is need so to stupid. I you can't believe you're not considering this. You would have had a scene of him dumping fuel on it if that was the case. He clearly, they would have shown fucking, that shit. No, they if wouldn't have. The movie's already two hours long enough time to show him fucking loading a bunch of cannons. No, that's stupid. Come on. It makes the most sense of all the times. Of all the times I, we've seen this, it makes the most sense for this explosion to happen now. Guns don't blow up cars. They do if they shoot the fucking gas tank and it's so, got a bunch of other fuel in it. Ugh. This distraction works. He's able to sneak into the back of the house. I'm not going to start talking now. <laughs> Fuck you. No. He murders you, He the murders the you first acknowledge. Balls. The he fact murders that, the first no, goonie No, the fact that you won't acknowledge that this is the most, and I'm not saying no, realistic, no, it's the most no. realistic that we've seen. It's bullshit. It's not Charles um, Bronson with a pistol and a fucking radiator. The 80s and their obsession with blowing up cars with gunshots tweaks me, and I'm not going to admit it. Just admit that it makes the most sense. No, the no sense. Mo- the ones we've seen the most sense. So he sneaks oh by. God. He's able to kill the first goon in the back, and then he starts making his way inside. And it's funny because the goons who blew up the car at the front with their ridiculous shooting... They decide to split up, and we start seeing Swayze run into them in the house. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, we don't see what happens to Terry Funk. He's the first one taken out, followed by the guy with the shotgun, who I thought was going to get throat ripped for a second, but instead Swayze just turns the guy's knife on him and then throws that same knife at shitty Bill Paxton, which drops him from a balcony, and then we get the polar bear kill. (laughs) So these goons, it's funny because after Jimmy's taken care of, the goons are pretty shit. So we really only have that fat trucker left, and it's strange, right? Like, how is this going to get taken out? But what happens is he's walking around the trophy room of Wesley, and uh, he gets scared by the stuffed polar bear that gets shoved towards him. Yeah, Dalton's pushing it towards him, and he panics. It's a really hilarious and kind of lame scene. They really make this trucker guy seem like the most imbecilic possible, like, character you could ever meet. Yeah, we should clarify. He doesn't actually die, it turns out. We think he gets killed, but the polar bear just like lands them and he's trapped for yeah. a little while. But now we only have Wesley and Dalton left. It's true. Now, Brad Wesley comes out pretty confident here. He's got a nice line. He says, I see you found my trophy room, Dalton. The only thing that's missing is your ass. That's pretty solid. I, I laughed pretty hard. I actually yeah. like that line. I thought he was going to say head, right? Because that's the traditional thing. Yeah. So the your ass was a good line. Was I liked good. it. Now he gets quickly dismantled by Dalton though. And we get a huge will he won't he moment where Swayze gets on top of him and threatens the throat rip with super dramatic music. He's got the hand up, the claws ready, but he walks away. He cannot kill again. It's funny, right? Because, I mean, I, they got to indicate throat rip in some way, but there's no way you make your hand into a, like, three-finger claw when you're going to do that. Hang on. Like, no. You know what? I'm going to stop you right there. Have you ever ripped a man's throat before? No, that's true. Then you so don't know no. how it works. <laughs> All right. Maybe yeah. that's how you do it. I got to start practicing my three-finger throat rip threat. <laughs> um, so he doesn't do it, and right as he doesn't do it, our doctor shows up? Yeah, I don't know what she's doing there, but whatever. It's good that she saw this. This is the right choice for their relationship and for his soul. But it gives Brad Wesley the chance to grab his gun and aim it right at Dalton as Dr. Lynch runs in. Luckily, Red is also there, and the farmer, and Tillman, and they all take turns shooting Brad Wesley with shotguns until one final emphatic shot sends him flying backwards through his glass coffee table. One last table bites the dust. (laughs) More glasses destroyed. No more glass-bottom boat rides for that one. (laughs) 
<laughs> he's never going to have a counselor type scene where no, some, yeah, <laughs> there's no more catfish running across this table. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's really what those tables are for. I didn't know. Oh shit! Oh my god! Oh god! <laughs> I don't think that's true. But all right. <laughs> so the so the cops show up, but uh, nobody saw anything, which is pretty great. And the movie ends with Swayze still in town, going for a skinny dip with Kelly Lynch and banging her in the pond, while the Jeff Healy band plays us out with a rocking version of When the Night Comes Falling from the Sky. This is a great way to end this movie. Oh, such a wonderful ending. Um, Jeff Healy is killing it here with this Bob Dylan song. And the fact that they go for that skinny dip at the end is perfect, right? Oh, yeah, man. A great ending. It sort of scrolls out and we're getting all the characters as the song plays. And it ends just as you'd hope it would, right? Like they've taken down the big bad. This town is now back Maybe he stays. Maybe he doesn't. Oh, he's right? staying. He's found true so? love. That's the whole point of the link yeah. scene. He's right. not going yeah. anywhere. He's staying. All right. Yeah. A great I fucking mean, movie. I could yeah. watch this every day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. It's great, man. So uh, oh. we should probably just ease into our ratings now. Let's not waste any more time. Get right to it. The way we do this, we rate it on a scale of 1 to 10 twice. 1 to 10 for how bad it is. 1 to 10 for how enjoyable. And the goal is to find movies that are a 10 out of 10 on both scales. Or as we call it, the Crit 20. And for me... I normally don't have a hard time separating my enjoyment from how bad I think the movie is, but I am really struggling with this one. Like, welcome to my world. Yeah, like the there's lots of things in this that I can point to as being bad. Like the acting of many characters is terrible. Kelly Lynch, Terry Funk, Jeff Healy. But there's there's good action. There's a good amount of nudity. Um, (laughs) There is, man. No. And, like, there's some continuity errors and stuff, I guess. And, obviously, the whole premise is just wildly implausible. It's ludicrous that this guy has a national reputation as the best cooler. When that waitress starts spreading word in the bar, Dalton's here. Dalton, everyone fucking knows who he is. Like, now, granted, they all work in a bar, but still... Like, to be so good at managing a bar and bouncing that, like, you get this from... It's it's insane to me. It's crazy. So, like, part of me is, like, this whole thing is absurd, and I want to kind of give it, like, a 10, but I just can't because it's so fucking enjoyable. I can't separate it from this one. I'm giving this an 8 out of 10 for how bad this is. What do you think? So, you've kind of taken most of my points here. I thought the the big knocks against this movie are definitely acting. Um, I think Swayze does Swayze things, and, and it works really well. I think a lot of the people around him, particularly the people who are working in the bar or some of the other reactions or the patrons of the bar are a struggle. Yeah, very I thought so. the bad guy and the goons were kind of rough, right? Okay. I mean, I know the main big bad is okay. He doesn't all right. Like, he does what he's supposed Wait, to. Wait, sorry, Jimmy or Brad Wesley? Wesley. Okay, yeah. I think Wesley does a decent job. Jimmy, no. No. <laughs> Jimmy, no. Jimmy no, is Jimmy. hired not for acting, but for the flip that he can do onto that stage, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the some of the effects, like you said, were really kind of missing. That continuity there, the bleeding noses, some of the falls or the cuts not actually fitting what was happening. They were a struggle for me. The other one that I had a really big problem was the concept. Uh, like you said, yeah. it just doesn't make sense. Come on. We're it's not going to write a movie about a, this bouncer who <laughs> is just... So good that he's going to take on the mafia and like stop this yeah. rich guy from destroying a town. That being said, it is it is fun to watch that happen, right? I didn't have it quite as far as you in terms of a bad rating. Okay. Uh, I only wrote this down as a six bad. You know, I've, I back and forth on seven and eight, but I was like, I thought I was kind of uh, emotionally 
like you I thought th- you, I how much you enjoyed yeah. it was affecting yeah. how bad it was no because i thought so we can kind of transition here i thought of course the music was incredible yep. and i thought that the editing and music throughout other than the weird like fight continuity editing i thought the editing of like shifting scenes and nights and day and keeping the mood going was really well done and that the music played a really big part of that I thought the fight scenes were super entertaining. Yeah. I love that the second budget line was all of that broken table and glass. So that was super, super fun. <laughs> sure, man. Um, I thought Swayze is kind of the perfect person to play this role. Oh, he did a great job, yeah. I wondered if they changed some of the dialogue because they chose Swayze. All those hints at him being smaller than they thought or oh, by yeah. making him the thinking man bouncer. I wondered yeah. if that changed. Or he's, not, had, he's not a big guy. He's not a big no, guy at all. Yeah. No, he's an impressive human, but he's not a big guy. And I, I love that Swayze does all of his own action. I wouldn't be surprised if all of the falls and everything were him. Right? Like, I think when he dives and takes that guy out, like, from what I understand about Swayze is he likes to do all of his own scenes and action. Well, and then we know from it, Point right? Break that he did all that skydiving stuff, right? So, like, it's possible, yeah. Yeah, so I could see him doing that, which is impressive, right? So, I thought that was really good. Uh, there was a lot of um, entertaining women and sexuality in here. <laughs> I like that they took Dirty Dancing into Dancing f- and against the wall that was good i enjoyed that kelly lynch is not a great actress but uh she is an attractive woman and seeing them in that relationship was great um so i had this as an enjoyability of a nine okay so Um, i gave it a yeah six for bad nine for enjoy for me that's fair you probably know what my enjoyable rating for this is gonna be it's gonna be a 10 for sure yeah of course it's so enjoyable it, it just, it's a fun movie that I would always, when I was watching this on TV as a kid, if I saw this on TV, I would just stop and I'm there for the next however long. Whatever scene it is, I'm in it for the rest. And like, I think what it is, is this story, this story's been told lots of times, but I love the whole like small town under the thumb of local crime. A drifter rolls in, inspires the people to rise up and saves the day. That formula, I feel like always works and I will always <laughs> enjoy it. And Swayze fucking crushes it. My only complaint with this movie, and it was not enough for me to knock it off a 10, is it is a little long. Um, and the reason why I didn't drop it from a 10 is I'm not sure what scenes I would cut. Like, maybe you reduce the number of cleaning up the bar scenes, but I like those scenes. Like, I enjoyed those. Some of the transition ones kind of aren't great, but you sort of need those for the story. So basically, this is a problem I don't have a solution for. Like, I, I wish it was 90 minutes, but I don't know what you take out to make it 90 minutes. So I'm not going to ding it for that. It's enjoyable as fuck. It was a great fucking time. We both laughed like multiple times. It's just a really fun movie. And if any other person uh, like you before today has not seen Roadhouse, go fucking watch it because it is great. (laughs) It's a great, great time. Yeah, that's fair. It is. uh, I really enjoyed it as a as a first watch. um, I, I would definitely watch it again, right? This is a, There's not that often in this podcast that I'm like, I would definitely see it again. I think it'd be fun to watch uh, with my wife. I wonder if she's ever seen it. I don't think she has. So it'd be fun to just like laugh at that stuff together and see what her reaction to uh, Sexy Swayze is. <laughs> okay, see, I'd probably guess what her reaction will be. Uh, what, uh, what did you think about this beer? It was insanely crushable. Yeah, speaking of a great time, Holy I shit. fucking dominated this thing, and I wish I had bought more cans because yeah. I could drink this all day while I watch Roadhouse all day. I'm pretty sure we could have taken a six-pack in the time that we made this. Like, the two of us could have split that no problem because I was done probably 20 minutes into us talking and was definitely hoping for more. This might be my favorite beer of the season. I got to kind of go back and look Holy at the list, shit. but, like, I, yeah. I you know, first of all, lager, that's a big fucking plus for me. 
And just like the first that we both said, the very first sip right away, it's just this fresh taste that is fucking yeah. great. So you know what? Wishbone Brewing Company, Roadhouse, uh, Faux Hellas Lager. I am going to buy more of this and drink more of it. It's fucking delicious. Maybe my favorite beer of the season. Let's uh, figure out where Waterford, Ontario is and take a road trip this summer. Oh, yes, please. I bet it's not far away. I bet it's close. Yeah, I think it's probably only like 45 minutes away from us. Let's get it done. Let's Deal. go for a trip. No trouble. We're going to do it. Little road trip. We'll visit their uh, road house, perhaps. Yes. And uh, yeah, that's it. We have reached the end of our second season. And I feel like this was a good little journey here. A lot of good stuff this year. Some new genres we kind of explored. Some uh, some interesting things. Things I had never seen before. Yeah, yeah. Really fun. Uh, this one seemed to go by faster to me. I don't know. It seems like everything... Um, just flew by. It seems like we shouldn't be at the end of the season yet, but I'm already looking forward to some of the titles we are peeking at for next season. I look forward to doing uh, another one. I'm I'm excited for some we talked about maybe doing this season, but didn't get a chance to. There might be one or two requests that we haven't got to, so we're going to look to get those done next season. Oh, yes, and please send more of those. If you have not already followed us on social media, at the BMB Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, we love to hear from you. Requests, we're looking for some for next season. Like Noel said, we do have some ideas, some pretty interesting stuff. We also have a bonus episode we're probably going to put out sometime in the next little while. That should be a good one. But yeah, send us feedback. Let us know what you want to see. We're happy to cover it for you at the BMB podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Send suggestions to those or to our email, the BMB podcast at gmail.com. Definitely. And uh, we're about to take our summer break. So until next season, I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Keep it cool. Oh, all right. The dancing's over. Now it gets dirty. <laughs> <laughs>